Hello, and welcome to the Flannel Manifesto with Brian and Afshin. Adults-only podcast. If you have any kids in the room, get those little fuckers out of there. Hey, everybody. We're back with another episode of the Flannel Manifesto. Thanks for sticking with us as we took a week off. Afshin was in Mexico. I'm sure he'll talk it's about that. It's pronounced Mexico, Brian. Mexico. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll talk our ear off about his experience there. A uh, couple things we'll discuss on today's show. So we'll wrap up the college football season. Of course, uh, Alabama won the national title a couple nights ago. We'll touch on Brett Bielema. We'll talk, unfortunately, uh, Badger basketball. I don't think either of us are looking forward to talking about Badger basketball and watching the rest of the season. And then we'll touch on some media stuff. Both of us have watched Master of None. The Bachelor is back. And, of course, just briefly making a murderer because one of us uh, has not watched it. So, um, in a huge upset, first of all, Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, Happy New Year. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. This is our is this our first part of the New Year? Yeah, I was going to say a huge upset. Who would have thought the Flannel Manifesto would have made it to 2016? We, we did. You know, we had our probation, for a brief probation period. We almost broke up due to Brian... Breaking up, a, breaking a date that he had set with me to go to transmission, it, which in retrospect, huge uh, mistake on my part since I love transmission now. Right, right, and um, you know we we do have some transmission news. Uh, just kind of little little update, little side on transmission. David Bowie died um, a few days ago, and Jake Rude, the DJ of transmission, planned a uh, had a previously planned. David Bowie tribute that he moved up a couple days and neither of us were able to make it um, due to it being moved up to a Tuesday night but by all accounts it was 22 below according to the wind chill at the varsity outside the varsity theater and 600 people showed up really great uh, great turnout yeah great turnout yeah I think uh, a lot of people were there to uh, pay tribute to David Bowie, and also I think a lot of people were excited to see what Jake had planned because he is a huge, huge David Bowie fan. Yeah, and I know the news was crushing to him that David Bowie had died. Yeah, so fun event. Too bad neither of us could go, um, but we'll be at another transmission event soon, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, college football wrap. We'll just put a bow on the season a little bit. Um, first. Uh, I think we were doing the last pod during the Badger-USC game. Right. We won. Yes. We won the game. Um, I know we had a little disappointed with some of, or I had, with Paul Chris play calling. Um, near the end of the game, rather than punting, I thought we should go for it. We needed yeah. half a foot. And I thought, hey, if you get that half a foot, it's in the bag. Game over. Brian, you agreed with the call to punt it. I did. I did. And, um, and normally, I mean, normally you, I feel like you lean conservative on some of those play calls. Right. To, to just make the safe play. I thought they did. You know, their defense was playing so well against USC. Right. Offense. Um, Jack Sitchie was huge in the second half. Huge. There was one uh, sort of, there was one series where... He had three straight sacks, yes. resulting yeah. in yeah. Um, a third and forty-two, <laughs> and forced <laughs> forced a punt. And because he, he had to sit out the first half because of that targeting penalty in the Minnesota in the Minnesota game. game. So he had he sat out the second half against Minnesota, and then the first half against USC. And you know the announcers were kind of saying that maybe he had fresh legs. Whatever it was, uh, it worked for him. It worked. Hey, and you know, here's the bright side. We beat the number, we beat a ranked team for the first time all season. And uh, we moved into, because of that win, we moved into the rankings. <laughs> we didn't get uh, zeroed out for the year. No, and a 10 win season. A 10 win season. So, I think you. It really isn't that bad. So, I'm going to. I know. I'm going to reiterate that because I've, I'm so down on this season. But on paper, it's not that bad. I know. So on paper, we lost to the national. Our first loss was to the national champions, champions, and we lost by a much closer margin than Michigan State. 
Mm-hmm. Michigan State lost 38-0 to Alabama. We lost 35-17. And then we lost to Iowa, who was in the playoff, or who was just out of the playoff. Yeah, 10-6. to Yeah, we right. lost to them 10-6 to on a Stave flub. Thank goodness that guy's not going to be here anymore. But, <laughs> we, you know, Iowa finished number 8 after they lost um, to Stanford. But, you know, they, they played a decent game. Yeah. They they actually got crushed by Stanford, but um, I thought I, I'll, they got destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> I know the score. they gave up they gave up a seventy yard touchdown pass on the first play of the game. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but it was you know look they lost to the team that had the guy who should have been yeah the Heisman winner yeah um, what's his name again Christian uh, McCaffrey Christian McCaffrey what he's done what he did this season was incredible. Anyways, very close loss there, and then another very close loss to Northwestern. Um, near the end of the season. And that one I thought they should have won. Uh, I, I thought the officiating in the Northwestern game was poor. Um, they got burned by that catch rule, uh, apparently taking two steps in the end zone, right? controlling the ball and falling to the ground, and the ball shaking a little bit is an incomplete pass. But, um, yeah, all in all, the season, they didn't really play any... Uh, I guess, yeah, they played people. I guess I can't say they didn't play anyone. They played the national champion... We lost I mean, to every ranked team until USC. That's yeah. a problem. Yeah. We couldn't close games. And it's the same problem we're seeing with Badger basketball right now. Yeah. Which uh, but we're not we'll even, get, winning, we'll the, we're not even yeah. winning the gimmies. No, there. we're not even winning those. Yeah. But we, you know, I think we do have some things to look forward to. Yeah. Jack Sitchie. Um, but as a whole, the Big Ten, Big Ten finished pretty well. In the in the bowl season. In the bowl season. Um Unfortunately, the near the top, they didn't. The top didn't perform very well. Right. I mean, Ohio State beat Notre Dame. Right. Uh, Michigan State crushed by Alabama. Right. And Iowa crushed by Stanford. Right. So a lot of the top teams didn't didn't fare all too well. But let's look at the teams we have in the the top ten, or even the top fifteen. So we've got Ohio State at number four, Michigan State at number six. Iowa at number nine. That is, those are three teams in the top top nine, and you've got Michigan in the you know number twelve. Michigan played a very, had a very good bowl game. Yeah, who'd they play again? Florida, I think. Oh yeah, that's right. And they that's dominated right. Florida. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people think Michigan might be uh, in the top four next year already. Right. So I mean, the Big Ten's strong going forward, but, uh, yeah, the top teams were disappointing. I mean, the Iowa-Michigan Iowa, State were disappointing to me. Right. Um, but, really, we saw, you know, I think we, pro- honestly, we had a defense that was almost as good as Michigan State, I, I would say. Even during the season, when our offense was sputtering, our defense was a high point, and even our defense couldn't stop uh, Derrick Henry. No. No chance to Michigan. No. Yeah, and, and, and they obviously did not stop him, and they got burnt. They, you know, they gave up tons of big plays to Alabama, big pass plays, which you cannot do because they control the ball at the run game so well, and if you give up, start giving up bombs, you're totally screwed against them. And you're not going to score a lot of points against that defense. It's tough yeah. to score, although Clemson did. But um, so all in all, where how do you feel like, you know, did you watch the the final four? Wait, first right. of all, New Year's Eve. New Year's what Eve. What were they doing? That is the worst time. Maybe it's good for the Brian Sonnenbergs <laughs> of this world who are sitting at home on New Year's Eve, cleaning their house. Right, right. <laughs> um, but for those of us who uh, like exploring the world on uh, New Year's Eve, it's just a bad time. You're forcing people who are trying to socialize and connect with people on a personal level, you're forcing them to sit around the boob tube and uh, and, and just be glued to it. No socializing. No talking to your, your, you know, your friend who's in from out of town. No, you're fixated to the TV. Right. So it's inconvenient, and I, I just don't like it. I'd rather have it during the day, uh, New Year's Day. New Year's Day, which is what it was the first year, and supposedly... It's scheduled for New Year's Eve, uh, you know, the next two or three years, and it has to change. The ratings were way down on New Year's Eve. The what I heard was because there were 
there was um, there was NFL football scheduled for Saturday. Oh, okay. So they didn't want to interfere with NFL football? But color me this. But New Year's Day was Friday. Oh, you're right. You're right. So they had no excuse in my mind not. to have it on New Year's Eve. And it was at 3 o'clock on a Thursday. Right. When people are at work. Yeah. Because their boss is still there. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I didn't like it. I hope they go back to a regular, you know, a regular time where people are doing nothing versus when people are out and trying to, you know, partake. And New Year's Day is the perfect day for it because what else do you have to do? You're just sort of bumming around. Exactly. Relaxing and you're just watching some football. Um, Hell, you could have, you could have, you could have, yeah, you could do a, you could have multi, you could just make that a day full of the, the play, the college football. Um, because there were other college bowl games, New Year's Day. Yes, there were. Why not just switch it? I know. But, oh, I actually, I, I realized what it was. It was, um, there are certain bowl games that are exclusively held on New Year's Day, such as the Rose Bowl, I believe. Yeah. And so, because the Rose Bowl is no longer, you know, it rotates. Yeah, it rotates through the major, the former major bowls, yeah. Right, so the Rose Bowl just, you know, certain bowls just didn't want to give up their date. Yeah, yeah. So maybe the solution is less rotation, but that's not going to happen. No, it's not. So we'll see. see. Hopefully, I mean, the ratings were way down, so there's that. And um, as we've learned from our friend Alex Saka, money talks. Money certainly talks. You know, another situation in which money has talked, before we get to Bielema, I want to touch on this. Dave Aranda has left Dave Wisconsin. Aranda. Rest in peace, Dave. Yeah. I mean, he's still alive, but, you know. He's uh, dead to me. <laughs> no, I can't blame him. He left. He was earning $500,000 yeah. at Wisconsin. He left to go to... LSU mm-hmm. for over a million dollars. How much was it? One point three million dollars. One point three million, nearly triple. Mm-hmm. And it was announced by LSU just a week after uh, Milwaukee Sentinel Journal article quoted our <laughs> athletic director Barry Alvarez as. Saying that Dave is staying. <laughs> Why? Because of the quality of life in Wisconsin, the lack right. of media scrutiny. Exactly. Yeah. What's no pressure? Yeah. No. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about anyone paying them triple the money. <laughs> um, you know, this has been an issue. Um, Certainly. Where we've lost assistance because we couldn't pay them enough. Should we have paid Dave Rand at one point three million? Should we have matched? Absolutely not. Right. I think you you and I both agree that paying an assistant football coach one point three million dollars is pretty ridiculous. Right. And you know, I'm I'm happy that Wisconsin doesn't do that. But the whole um, oh, let's just sit back and just let Madison sort of you know sell staying at Wisconsin. Let's not uh, try to do anything. Right. You know, to keep him. They were paying him very handsomely. Yeah, for Madison, that's a good. You can have a really, really nice quality of life with a salary of five hundred thousand. But this whole like, oh, we're fine. We don't have to worry. Right. He's just gonna love Madison. Right. And one thing, I I think that Bielma is trying to protect, you know, or not Bielma. I'm sorry, Barry Alvarez. In some ways, he's towing the party line. He has to protect his higher ups mm-hmm. um, because he's not the end all. He doesn't get to spend all the money that he wants. Right. So he has a limit to how much money he's allowed to spend. Yeah. And I'm sure that the truth of the matter is it's just not a priority at the University of Wisconsin-Madison to spend that much money on football. No. And that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. But for him to make the comments he made in the Journal Sentinel article, right? that's a little, um, I don't know, not, uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's a little disconcerting because right. he's a guy who um, thinks that just by, you know, his sort of aura and what he's created at Wisconsin in the football program right. is going to keep people there 
And that's just not the case. I mean, sometimes people want greater challenges, are willing to take greater risks, face greater scrutiny. And Aranda clearly was that guy. And that, to me, that's a total misread of who you are managing. Right, right. Well, we'll... We'll see what happens. Do, I mean, do you buy his thing? He said that the reason that Wisconsin can't pay more for assistant coaches <coughs> because the Wisconsin Athletic Department has to uh, float 28 sports teams programs, whereas schools in the SEC have to float like 20, have 24, 25, 26 sports. Last I checked, Ohio State doesn't have trouble paying their coaches. Michigan <laughs> certainly doesn't. No. Um, and Wisconsin is in the top 10 of athletic department revenue schools. Right. I think they, they brought in $125 million last year. And let's say they're, okay, let's look at some of the other, you know, teams that might be out there. Cross country? What do you, what do you need? <laughs> they don't have a stadium. No. You know, granted, they don't have revenue, but they need uniforms. Travel expenses. Travel expenses. And facility time. Right. Which I'm, you know, which is shared though with shared. like the track and like the track team and all that yeah. kind of stuff, right? Shared shared facilities, right? Same weight room, you know. Yep. I would hope I, you know, I would hope they can still use the same facilities as the Almighty Football Team, <laughs> um, and you know, same same general trainers. I would hope, like you know, I hope we have a pool of trainers that our athletes can go to. Mm-hmm. Granted, each team might have their own specific to that sport but I would think that a lot of the assistant trainers are you know more generalized yeah it's large, largely shared expenses among you know there's overlapping services that need to happen for the the different uh, teams so you know in theory you know you don't need to spend you know if you're going to put a track out there right. and the track team's going to use it uh, the cross country team in theory is also going to, to use that same track you don't need right. to build cross-country team a separate facility so i i don't know i mean he knows more than i do i suppose (laughs) he runs that department but and i'm still not sure what teams you know he's talking about because i'm looking at the website and we have 22 teams Hmm. run keep here count for me while i read them out loud yep basketball men's sports first basketball cross-country football Golf, hockey, rowing, soccer, swimming and diving, tennis, track and field, wrestling. How many is that for men? 11. 11. Women's sports. Basketball, cross country, golf, hockey, rowing, lightweight rowing, soccer, softball, swimming and diving, tennis, track and field, and volleyball. 12? 12. So 23. So I don't know what number 27 is counting unless he's doing Swimming some... and diving. Maybe he thinks swimming and diving, is he's counting those as so, four instead of two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and maybe he's counting field to start from track. And then let's, let's, pull, let's, pull, um, let's pull LSU up, right? And let's see how many sports they have. Because I, I, I'm just... Those sound like very standard sports to, to have. Sure. All right. Let's see what teams we have. Baseball, men's basketball, women's basketball, beach volleyball, <laughs> cross country, football, men's golf, women's golf, gymnastics, soccer. Let's see if there's women's and men's soccer. So let's just put that as one soccer team for now. Softball, swimming and diving. Let's see if that's also... Okay. Uh, men's tennis, women's tennis, track and field, and volleyball. How many is that total? That's 16. 16 listed. But remember, we're trying to figure out whether um, soccer has a men's and women's team. Right. Swimming diving has a men's and women's. Track and field has a men's and women's. And, um, yeah. And that might, that'll add at least three more sports. Three more sports, yeah. So they're getting close to twenty. So, and and you know we're just looking at the website, a cursory glance at the website. Right. I mean we don't know if they have absolutely everything 
included in here. But um, yeah, I just, uh, again, $1.3 million for an assistant football coach is ridiculous. You know, 500000 for an assistant fo- football coach is ridiculous. Right. Uh, but I just don't like this, uh, you know, let's seemingly rest on our on the fact that Madison is a low-pressure community. Madison is a great place to live. It is. It's all those things. But you can't rely on that to keep talent. Different people are attracted to different things. And the fact that, you know, you're not willing to uh, kind of look at each case individually and try to appeal to what, you know, attracts them to certain jobs, uh, you know, it's just, I, I just don't get that. I mean, we've had too right. many people leave. Right. And so, so, okay, swimming and diving, track and field uh, are, have both men's and women's sports. Hmm. So that adds, adds two more? Adds two more. Yeah. Um, LSU is lacking. Um, they just don't have certain sports. Like, actually, light, like lightweight rowing? Like lightweight rowing. But actually, maybe we could add another for cross country. If it's co-ed. And yes, add another for cross country. So we're talking about a discrepancy of three sports and rowing? <laughs> right. Not very expensive. I, yeah. I knew people who were on the rowing team. Yeah. And while there was some travel, right, because of the nature of it, it was similar to cross country, where you might have, you know, the team, you know, it's a lot of regional travel for the team, mm-hmm. but you'd also have individual or duos um, who might, like, go to nationals. Right, but you're not talking about transporting an entire team of 53. No, like you are for football, or even a team of 12, like you are for basketball. So I think it's safe to say that if you look at the major sports, LSU and Wisconsin both have similar major athletic programs. Right, that cost a lot of money, that bring in a lot of revenue, but also cost a lot of money. Right, where the their differences are are in the smaller sports that perhaps. You know, it doesn't cost a lot of money to front yeah. for those. And I'm, I'm looking at it. It looks like the the, ma- the only difference that I'm tracking here that isn't accounted for is hockey. Okay. But LSU is a baseball team, right? Right. Or, I'm sorry, hockey and rowing. Okay. So, but LSU has baseball and a gymnastic, gymnastics team. Right. And baseball is certainly not cheap to, to front. Right. So, exactly. I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's the argument, okay, you know, it's it's an, it's an argument to make, but who knows. Um, so, we lost Aranda. Another coach we lost uh, because he could, actually, ironically, because he couldn't pay his assistants enough at Wisconsin and was sick and tired of losing them. Brett Bielema right. has been making uh, quite a few waves recently. He has been. In the in the. College football playoff, of all places. Yeah, um, which he's not been a participant of. Hasn't been a participant of, and uh, <laughs> hasn't even come close to, to sniffing. <laughs> and this is odd to us, and to all our listeners out there who have been Badger fans for the last few years, it'll be odd to you, but a lot of media outlets have looked at Brett Bielma as a shining star in the college football playoff coverage. And... Looking at this, it seems as if they just really like having a dummy around. Yeah, they, they like yeah. They, they're just entertained by someone. They see him as someone who speaks his mind, right, and isn't afraid. Yes, to be himself. He he will say what all of us are thinking, right, and wish we could say. Which he's kind of just an idiot. Right. And this is, this is a, um, I'm just going to read the headline. I'm not going to bother going through this article. You can find yourself. Um, the cabin.net log cabin Democrat, um, column by David McCollum. And here's the headline. Bielema, one of the stars of national title coverage. And here's a quote to follow that up. Arkansas coach Brett Bielema was both fun and insightful as one of the guests on Paul Feinbaum's film room on the SEC Network, which offered analysis and commentary as the game unfolded. Well, from being a Badgers fan and watching Brett Bielma, I have no idea that he even knows what's going on as the game unfolds. You know, he just looks confused 
all the time. I know. And uh I don't know, him him when when did he become such this like respected figure by the media well, of this guy who is, will say anything here's speak his mind. Here's one more uh headline from Arkansas online. Bielema's one liners dot title game show. I, here's what I think it is. The SEC gets more coverage. Right. They, they, you know, and they they like personalities. You know, the media likes some... It's something to talk about. It's a little season. You get a coach that runs his mouth. Hey, it's you know, versus coaches who are pretty quiet and actually do a good job at what they do. Like Saban. Like, like, like Nick Saban. Um, they, they, just want, they just want him. And you know what? Good for Brett Bielema because in a few... Maybe in a few short months, maybe a little over a year, but sometime in the near future, he'll be probably he probably won't be coaching. He'll probably be sitting in the same seat he was sitting and being a media personality because I don't think he has what it takes to continue his coaching career in the SEC. Yeah, he was eight and five this last year. They finished pretty strong. I think they were five and one or six and one to finish the year. Um, they still had three straight losses at the SEC at some point. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, three straight losses. Um, including the loss to Toledo. They lost to Toledo this year, exactly. And this was the year a lot of people expected them to take a leap and contend pretty heavily for the for the SEC, I think the SEC West title, something like that. Anyway, um, yeah, he, what's going to happen? You know what is going to happen to him? He's going to lose his job at Arkansas at some point, probably, because he's not, he's not beating Alabama anytime soon. And he'll... Go to, into television for a year or two, and he'll he'll get back in the Big Ten. Well, he'll be back in the Big Ten. Well, Kirk Ferentz is over sixty, right? Yeah. And Brett Bielema went to Iowa. Here's a question for you. Let's say Paul Chris isn't cutting it. Let's say and no, no way. You're not going. Let's there. say Are Paul Chris in a couple of years he's not <laughs> cutting it, and that coincides with you know Brett Bielema. He's been fired. He does his one year as an analyst. I can't believe you're about to say this. Do you? Do you support bringing Brett Bielema back? No, we we were we were cheering when he left. But his, were we not? You didn't. Li- you don't like him at all. No, but here's what I did like about him. I knew exactly what to expect from our teams. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> I I knew exactly what to expect with Paul Christ. I have no idea what's going on. Why the hell is Stave <laughs> throwing forty times a game? Why are we just running the ball all the time? We could not, both of us, couldn't, we were shocked by how the decision went down and how quickly it came, but you and I both were excited to see Brett Bielema leave. And now you would would welcome him back? I don't know if I would, (laughs) but if Paul Chris doesn't cut it, right? And let's, let's be honest, we we finished 10 and 3, should we have finished 10 and 3? Uh, yeah, sure. But we had a weak schedule. Yeah. Next next year, we could easily finish seven and six. Yeah, they play I, a tougher schedule. Many more tough road games. They play Ohio State at home. I think we play Ohio State, I or Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. Yeah. Um, those are not easy games, and Minnesota. Obviously, it's always a tough game. We're we're looking at four Big Ten losses. I can't believe you you would support bringing Bielema back. But all right, here's another story about Bielema. Okay, did I say I supported it? I just uh, said I'm throwing the question out there. I'd like you to think about it as we. I'll think about it as we go further and further away, where a former cornerback was our number one running back this year, where for the first time ever we had no running back who cracked a thousand yards. Right. Don't you want to go back to the good old days? I don't mind being eight and five if we could run the ball. <laughs> Barry would never do that. No. You know you know that his ego was was hurt too much by Bielema leaving. He would never bring him back. Right. And that's why it's good I'm not the athletic director because right. uh a couple of bad seasons from Chris and I could be swayed to do anything. <laughs> even bring back Brooke Bielema. Here's another thing Bielema did. I want to share this story. So he's he's been busy, all right? So he's been this, the star of the national title, media coverage, whatever. Uh, 
here's what he also did. So Bielema was recently his offensive line coach left to coach the offensive line at Georgia. Bielema was so upset about this that he gathered his offensive linemen together, Bielema did, and brought them to the departing coach's house to confront the coach about why he was leaving. Oh, that's bullshit. That's garbage. A step, not even a, a lateral, what he considered a lateral move. Right. I mean, that that's just a garbage move by Bielma. You shouldn't ambush, you shouldn't use your players to ambush a coach like that, especially at his own home. Yeah, so Bielema... If, if, you, if you wanted to bring them to, to his office, fine. But to bring someone to their, to someone's house, right, um, is just... No, you don't do that. Yeah. They're, stu- they're you know, at the end of the day, as no matter, you know, you're a coach, they're still students and you, d- you don't bring... You don't use them. You don't use them for your, you know, yeah. personal, personal professional gain. So what Bielema is doing is hiding behind the fact... He, he, Bielema said that the coach, uh, Sam Pittman, refused to meet with the, the players. Wouldn't do it. Right. So Bielema was going to confront this coach with the players and force this coach to address them. And apparently, Coach Pittman on Twitter, quote, I had a meeting set for 10.30 a.m. today to talk to my guys. They came to see me last night at home, never said I wouldn't meet them. Not true. Yeah. You know, classic Bielema move, trying to, you know, power play someone. Unfortunately, <laughs> he, he he's just too clumsy to do a power play, play properly. It's so transparent. <laughs> One one thing I, you know, did did Brett Bielma talk to his players after he jumped ship? I think he did. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and this guy was going to as well, it sounds like. So we're going to get a little more insight into Bielma, though, in February. Yeah. Let's just tease you with this. Deep thoughts with Brett Bielma. Here's a question. Brett Bielma has always wondered. Why not eggnog year round? And where can we find out an answer to this deep thought or how this deep thought came to Bart Bielma? Through a multi-part documentary um, on that's called Being Brett Bielma. And it's being put together by a radio personality named Bo Mattingly. It'll air in February. There are a couple trailers online, but right now it really honestly looks like a just a glory piece. They're already sucking up to Bielema. Oh, absolutely. When you watch a trailer or whatever it is that we watch, I mean, it's all about like how he's he's such a unique character in college right. football. How he speaks his mind all the time and how, you know, everyone misunderstands what he what he says and that everything he says he means and he's calculating everything he says that everything he says has a specific purpose we know that's not true no when, when he said he wanted to hop on his wife was that calculated no did he no. is that unless it's calculated you know unless it's he's putting out these uh mistakes right in a manner so that he could get more media attention and get things like this put out and be the most he right. wants to be the most interesting coach in the NCAA. It's it's really just buffoonery. Like he's, it is. I mean, he's just he's just kind of an idiot. And you know, was it was it intentional when he said that kneeling the ball on a two yard line was erotic? I mean who who was he who was he trying to work over with that comment? Right. The media? Right. Probably. I don't know. I'm excited to see it. I will yeah. watch it. I wouldn't be surprised though if we find out later that it was you know the it was Brett Bielema or his agent's idea to put it together because it doesn't seem like it's backed up by any TV station or uh, media station. It's being put together by this Bo Mattingly, who's a radio host. Yeah. So maybe he would slip some money, said, hey, do you, you know, raise, raise Brett Bielema's profile. Right. So we'll see how it turns out, but it definitely looks just like a puff piece. Very for, glossy, very uh, pro Brett Bielema. For pro Brett Bielema. And it doesn't look like it's going to touch anything during his time on Wisconsin where. We all know that there is a lot of dirt on Brett Bielma's time in Wisconsin. Absolutely. From his true buffoonery with going out in town, try, drinking 
and getting drunk at student parties. Yeah. Uh, you know, groping uh, female students. Just being a general ass when he was a head coach of a football program. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. So, all right. It's probably not. It's it's not it's not coming up in the, in that documentary. Speaking of buffoonery, back yeah. to basketball. So, how many Big Ten games have we lost already, Brian? Four. How many have we won? One. And that was against a team that shouldn't even be in the Big Ten. That has not won a Big Ten game yet. Wow. Rutgers. What do you have, Brian? <laughs> what do you have to say, Brian? I don't know. I don't. I don't I, I hate this season. I can't even watch. I mean, honestly, like I just hate it so much. I will say this: the games we're losing, we're losing close games, and we're a young team. Very true. And so, I do think we're just a step away, a step away. So we lost to Maryland by a last-second three-pointer. Mm-hmm. I can live with that. Yeah, because you know, even we still have time this season for our guys. To learn how to close these games. Yeah. But the problem is I can live with that if they, if they, uh, you know, didn't also lose to Indiana. If they didn't also lose to Northwestern. Well, let's, Indiana's 4-0, top of the... Okay, big Northwestern's, right you know, pretty competitive. 3-2, 15-3 overall. But they're losing games that they normally would win. And they're, I mean, they play Michigan State on Sunday. That's a disaster. Their next opera they're they're gonna be one and five going into the Penn State game. Hopefully they, they beat Penn State. Right, but let's let's look at our you know let's look at how we've been playing these teams because I I think there is something to be said for you know how we're playing our game. So let's look starting at I think these slides started at UW Milwaukee. We lost to UW Milwaukee by one point. We lost to Marquette by two points. We had a couple wins at Corpus Christi, Green Bay. Then we lost to Purdue by six points. Crushed Rutgers. Lost to Indiana by one point. Lost to Michigan by three points. Lost to Northwestern by five points. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan State was a close game. The problem is, we're just... I think what's hurting us is... We had two guys on our team last year, maybe even three, right? Do we count who is the point guard? Um, uh, uh, Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Do we count? Do we count Trayvon Jackson? You know, he was a senior, but between him, Sam Decker, Frank Kaminsky, we had three go-to guys. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like, hey, I think it went Kaminsky, Decker, Hayes. Koenig played more than than Jackson last year because he was hurt. But in crunch time, in crunch, in crunch time, time, Hayes wasn't Hayes wasn't the you know in the top three. I think so. I, I think Hayes was a top three option. But it's a difference going from a top three option to Absol- the number one option. That's the, and that's the problem. Now he's the number one guy because he never you know a lot of times we're not used to people pulling a Sam Decker, right, and leaving early. The last time that happened, that was what's his face. Um, Plays for oh Rattles. Devin Harris. Devin Harris. Yeah. It's the last time a Wisconsin guy jumped ship early. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have the benefit of being the number two to Sam Decker for a couple of years. Then you know, growing into the number one role, he's he's still you know a couple seasons behind schedule, right? Or you know, behind where he would be, he should still be the number two guy. Mm-hmm. Canning should still be the number three guy. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're the one and two right now. Right, and that's a problem. That's so. Yeah, and he just he looks awkward at times, trying to create offense. It looks like he's forcing it a lot, and he's get, he's getting the other team's best, you know, bigger defender. Right, and you know they can double team him because Koenig's really the only other option, and outside of him, I mean, Hap is okay, but he's a redshirt freshman. Right, uh, Showalter, I like Showalter, but he's not a huge scoring option. Right, so. I mean, they're very, very... And then they're bringing a lot of freshmen off the bench. I mean, it's just so limited. Yeah. But that's why I, I just think something needs to flip. There's uh, there's a switch that just needs to be flipped. And once that happens, mm-hmm. it'll be a different team. It's just a matter of figuring out how to close games. And for Hayes, he's figuring out how to, how to be the number one guy. Yeah. You know, because I think the difficulty of being, you know, 
if we look at a lot of the great uh, Wisconsin number one guys throughout the years, Devin Harris, Alonzo Tucker, Frank Kaminsky, right. they yeah. had their go-to moves. They did. I don't know if Nigel Hayes has a go-to yet. Yeah. And I think that's something that most, you didn't see these guys develop till the very end. I know with, you know, for me, Alonzo Tucker was signature. He'd start posting up you know, on the top left side of the key and would, you know, he was a 6'5 shooting guard, but he was built. Yeah. And he could just back people down yeah. and then kick it out if need be. Nigel Hayes, I'm just not sure what he does particularly well, and I'm not sure if he knows it yet either. Yeah, I don't think so. And he also, he, he all of a sudden, like, can't shoot. Yeah. I mean, he used to be able to hit threes, and now he, he tweaked his jumper a little bit, and I think that's kind of messing with him. And he even said, made a comment to the sideline reporter in one of the games, that he's like, oh, it needs to get worse before it gets better. And it's like, well, you'd hope that it would get worse in the offseason <laughs> right. better during the regular season. Well, think of how much less open he probably is. Yeah. You yeah. know, because he did, you know, the spacing just isn't there when you've got two, when you've got a penetrator like Decker and who could also shoot and then Kaminsky who's taking, who's taking a man out into the corner or top of the yeah, key. Yeah. Um, and Nigel Hayes could just spot up and, you know, hopefully get the advantage of getting a shot before the defense can rotate over. Right. So, so and that's just it. That's, that goes back to the, it's a big difference between being a third option and a number one option. As a third option, oftentimes you're getting offense created for you right. and getting opportunities presented to you. Whereas, you know, now he's creating for himself and other people 100%. Yeah. And, you know, that's a tough transition. So I don't know. I don't have much more to say about this team. Yeah, let's see what happens. I'm hoping that we win, you know, we keep the games close and we can win a few of the close ones. And maybe make a run in the in the Big Ten championship. That's what yeah. that that's that's what I'm I think that's what we have to hope for is making a run in the in the Big Ten uh, conference championship. Yeah, and, and the way it looks now, they're they're not making the tournament outside of some sort of miracle winning what? streak. They're nine and nine overall, one and four in the conference. They're not they're not headed to the NCAA tournament at this point. So uh, let's talk media to wrap things up. Right, uh, no more Krampus, no more scary movies. We may squeeze another one in there at some point. Right, but we both watched Master of None. Mm-hmm. I love it. For me, it embodies what it's like being a brown in a white <laughs> world. How do you think, Brian? It was your life that hard. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, a lot of the things, especially when it comes to to, to like dating and all that, I think. Um, yeah. Swing true, and also having, um, you know, sometimes you deal with people professionally who are a little awkward around you, or a little, mm-hmm. you know, um, have an old school way of thinking. Yeah, I thought that it did, because the cast is really diverse, right? But the chemistry among the cast members is unbelievable. I thought uh, the woman who plays uh, his girlfriend yeah. on the show, they had uh, Aziz Ansari's girlfriend, uh, Dev. Yep. They had amazing chemistry. He um, had amazing chemistry you, with his... If, oh, sorry. If you look... I can't remember her name, but if you look her up on on Google and find her YouTube channel, mm-hmm. it's hilarious. All right. It's a lot of her older stuff from, like, you know... Yeah. 2013. Okay. But... Just a funny comedian. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. But I thought they did a really nice job of putting together a diverse cast that did not feel forced at all. You know, you looked at this and you weren't like, oh, these producers were like, hey, we need a black woman. Oh, we need like a, a goofy white guy. Right. Oh, we need, uh, a, you know, this other white girl. Um, we need this Asian guy. It was, it, was, it was like all these people fit together so naturally that you were like, yeah. These people absolutely could be friends. Right. Right. And that's kind of what made the show real is just their their interactions, even when there was nothing going on or nothing driving the plot, just the way they spoke to they spoke with each other. Yeah, and I noticed that they had a lot of conversations when they were walking. Yeah. For some reason that made the show more real to me. Because it was a lot of the camera kind of walking, moving with these these people, either walking in the street, walking in a restaurant, walking... Well, think about it this way, and this is one 
problem I have with a lot of um, how often are you sitting around and just talking to someone and looking at them while we talk? Yeah. Even when you and I talk to each other, we're not looking at each other no. while we talk. We're standing off to the side, sitting on a couch, kind of looking maybe at an angle. Maybe this is like the awkward Minnesotan in us. Sure. But, um, you know, I, 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 I've, when I look at conversations I have um, with groups of friends, we're rarely all standing around and or like sitting in each sitting in a different chair facing each other like you see on so many TV shows. Right. And 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 that it just felt like a very real show. Like the the characters felt like really like friends. They had awesome chemistry. It's like what, you know, your friends group is. Uh, you know, the the whole I I love the the construct of the show. Yeah. Where they had like each episode was kind of a, about a certain topic. Um you know, one of the episodes was called Indians on, te- on TV. Yeah. You know, and I, it was like a great way to talk about that particular subject. Yeah. So I, I love the show. It's on Netflix. It is. It's an easy binge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they only have 10 episodes. Right. But 10. I'm already looking forward to next season. Yeah. They And yes, that's a good point. Netflix did order season two. Yeah. And I heard Aziz Ansari, the creator of the show, one of the writers, whatever, um, he talked about that yes we're doing a second season but he wants to take a little break right. because uh, he poured a lot of ideas into this season and right. it shows it's a very good season it shows because you can see that he took a lot of ideas from his book and from yeah. his stand up uh, modern romance one note I will say are, is the his father on the show is his actual father yeah so which is really fun it's cool if you're wondering why, why that guy um, doesn't seem like an actor it's because he's not. He's definitely not an actor. And, uh, you know, that that's cool, though, because I, they touched on, like, cultural parent-child relationships. Oh, there, there was one, you know? and it, like, broke me in half because <laughs> it hit so true to home. It was an episode where um, Aziz and his friend, um, his friend was, I believe, from Taiwan or China. Yeah. And his, I think it was China, and, you know, it did flashbacks to his parents growing up and how they grew up in poverty and how they came here, struggled, worked hard, and they had ungrateful kids who weren't giving the time of day to their parents. Those kids being Aziz and that. Yeah, yeah. And it they were talking about how they it took them a while to realize what bad uh, children they were to their parents who had struggled so much to get here. Yep. And that's pretty much how it made how I feel. So, um, <laughs> as I sit here and my dad texts me and says, I need help with my computer. And I say, later, dad, I'm doing a podcast. Right, right. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, your dad could never imagine a podcast. Right. I mean, they weren't created, but much less he was yeah. like so far away from a podcast yeah. that, uh, you know, now you entitled, spoiled. Yeah. What has he created? Anyways, yeah. right. speaking of shows that are not diverse... Not at all, actually. The Bachelor. Bachelor started. What we're going to do for you listeners, we're going to start doing a weekly recap. Talk about our favorite things, not favorite things. Right now, we're a little behind. We know that it's uh, episode... There are two episodes so far. Episode three. Mm -hmm. Week three is coming out next Monday. So this means I have to actually watch The Bachelor. Brian, you watch The Bachelor. (laughs) We all know you watch The Bachelor. Don't lie. You've probably watched more Bachelor than I have. Probably, but only with my wife because she likes it. Well, I'm your uh, pod wife. All right, so sounds good. What we'll do is we'll catch up on Thursday, then we'll recap. Um, yep. I've watched week one so far, but we'll watch on Tuesday when we're back. We'll have a fresh recap, all caught up. We'll recap it every week. Absolutely. And then uh, I also want, if Sheen has not yet watched uh, Making a Murderer, the new Netflix uh, crime documentary, Ten Part, and uh, want him to watch that. So that's your your homework, right? So we're gonna we're gonna go week by week, but Brian's gonna break it up into chunks for me, and you know we're gonna break it up into three, yeah, three probably three. Pods, I, when I when I look think back on it, it's it probably makes sense to break it up into like three sort of sections, uh, you know, different different kind of major themes through those sections but it's a little close to home for me uh manitowoc county oh just uh just 
neighbors, uh, Sheboygan County, Sheboygan. where I grew up. So, yeah. It's, that's it's how that's how country. Wisconsin feels close. You're in the same county as, or the county next to mine. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't grow up in the big city like like you, yeah. Sheen. Spoiled, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Spoiled child of an immigrant. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. So, Get everything. with with this, um, for both The Bachelor and Making a Murder, actually, for listeners' background of Making a Murder, if you're not aware, it's on Netflix. If you want to watch along with us, I would just assume we're going to go through the first three episodes yeah. for next week. But it's on Netflix, 10 episodes. In Manitowoc County, there was a man who went to prison for 18 years. Oh, time out, time out. Are you spoiling it? I'm just giving you the general background. Okay. Went to prison for 18 years and was let loose by the Innocence Project. And he was then um, filed a lawsuit against the city. And then shortly after that was accused of murder along with his nephew. And both were convicted. This explores how that all went down and kind of whether or not he did it or not. You may have uh, spoiled the documentary. How did I spoil the documentary? <laughs> That's a synopsis. That's a synopsis. <laughs> well, if you ever listen to the news, you'd already know the synopsis. Yeah, but yeah. That's, it's, that, it's easily findable online, I'm that, sure. That's yeah. a synopsis. And for yeah. me, I'd heard about the story before, um, before they made this documentary, and I was intrigued to I'd like you know I never knew the evidence in the case, but I'd like to look into it. I I, I see this as kind of a video version of serial mm-hmm. for this case. Yeah, it's a true crime story. So kind of in that that genre that's been very popular recently, serial uh, capitalized on the Jinx on HBO, uh, capitalized on that true crime. So a lot of, a lot of people uh, kind of putting their toe in the water. Uh, on that genre. So, right. All right. So for next week, listeners, episodes one through three of The Bachelor, be prepared to discuss. Email us some questions, comments, concerns, or Twitter. Same with Making a Murder. Brian, how can they get in touch with yeah, us? Yeah, so the Flannel Pod Twitter. We should probably tweet once. Get that we'll going. We'll tweet. We'll tweet. We will. And then uh, the, uh, the Flannel Manifesto at gmail.com. You can email us. So. Oh, and one more thing, dear listeners. We will be out in the mountains of Colorado this week. Mm-hmm. We'll try to record some material for you there. But if you have any tips on what to do, we'll be in Breckenridge. Send us, contact us, send us a tweet, send us a Gmail, and um, we'd love to hear from you. But we promise you we'll have some entertaining stories involving Four Loco. Absolutely. Uh, I hope not. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. This has been the Flannel Manifesto.